What's up, everybody? Today on Stacked, welcome to Lovecraft. Keys, keys, and more keys. Beware the echo. This is Joe Hill and Gabriel Rodriguez, Lock and Key. What's up, everybody? I'm Brandon. And I'm the key maker known as Brendan. And welcome to Stacked, the show where we discuss stories from all over the world of comics. Brendan makes the keys. Yeah, that, I'm not gonna lie, dude, that's 100% a Matrix pull. I was like, I was looking at something appropriate, and I'm like, you know what? Key maker. He was cool. Uh, there is keys involved, though, so it's, you know, in the in the ballpark. Um, what's up, guys? Hope you guys are having a good October and a good week. Thank you guys very much for tuning in to issue... 68 of stacked we really appreciate it um today we are continuing our kind of spooky october theme uh by talking about another horror comic uh called lock and key by joe hill and gabriel rodriguez um last week we started off this spookiness by talking about uh chilling adventures of sabrina and that was a lot of fun and you guys all listened to that one thank you very much that that one did quite well and now we're moving on to lock and key so uh this was a recommendation from brendan yeah <laughs> uh, and long time long time listener first time caller <laughs> um so the interesting thing about this comic is it's the writer of it joe hill is actually stephen king's son is that correct i mean yes as you're asking me like as if like I somehow have an in on this information it's like well interesting fact he's not quite his son he's actually his uh I couldn't think of anything fast enough yeah he's his son okay I was just making sure that I wasn't getting it wrong but also I'm onto the Wikipedia page and I know that's correct now so look if it's on Wikipedia it's definitely true yeah exactly that should be Wikipedia's slogan nothing but the truth yeah so we're gonna start talking about lock and key so if you do not want spoilers uh, we're just talking about the first volume called welcome to Lovecraft um, so if you don't want spoilers, stop listening to the episode, go read the book and come back. Uh, but if you don't care about spoilers or you've already read it, here we go. All right. Today's spoiler is brought to you by juvenile detention centers, juvenile detention centers. When you want someone to be able to easily escape, I guess. I don't know. Freaking hell. Um, that's not remotely true. Anyways, <laughs> I'm going to try and edit it into something different. Just grab different words for me. <laughs> Halloween. When you need something slightly better than juvenile detention center. Actually, that's what I'm going to use. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So today's spoiler is basically, I don't even know how to properly, I'm just going to give an actual spoiler, I guess. Oh, the kid dies. Which kid? The little one, Bode. Bode dies. Multiple times. Multiple times. Yeah. He dies and then comes back and then doesn't come back and doesn't. It's like a fun little game. Literally. It's literally a game to him <laughs> for, for the part of this comic. All right. Um, Why don't you give us the premise, Brendan? Okay, so I'll give you just I'll give you just the premise of the first volume. So the first volumes, uh, the whole comic series essentially follows um, these three kids and their mom who like just uh, just survive this horrific um, like home assault where these um, two deranged kid uh, like high, uh, kids that went to their school showed up, killed their dad, um, attacked the mom. And they they managed to escape. One of the kids was killed by the mom, like the the bad guys. One of them was killed by the mom. The other one was uh, ended up in juvie, hence the bad joke at the beginning of this podcast. And uh, 
and then they end up moving back to this uh moving to uh, their dad's childhood home which is like lovecraft manor i believe actually sorry just just a the City is called Lovecraft. Okay. Um, the the house is called Key House. Okay. Sorry. That's actually kind of important. So the house they they live at is called Key House. Um, in Lovecraft, as Brandon so eloquently put it, basically while they're there, uh, the whole first volume is more or less dealing with um, the trauma of the attack, like them having survived that attack, as well as starting to set up this basis of the kind of mystic turn to this which is that there are these keys at lovecraft or not lovecraft um key house that when used on certain doors when certain keys are used on certain doors they activate magical abilities or they have some strange effects so the, the main one that gets used throughout this first volume is the dead key which uh when used on this specific door and you step through it you become a ghost and your body you technically die like your body's there like dead and then you're a ghost and you can go wherever you want um, just by thinking it. And then when you want to go back to your body, you just have to go back through the door as long as the key's still in there. That's the main one that go in this uh, that goes through this first arc. And the first arc kind of really sets up the antagonist of the entire story without really giving away who that is exactly. Yeah, like I still don't have no freaking clue who it is. Yeah, you don't really figure it out until... Like kind of late in the game you get a hint you get a few little hints like there's the hint that there's the there's the the photo of the his dad and his and all these other kids when they were in high school and you can see this one boy there he's got black hair and then at the end of the story that kid who shows up again and uh, younger than like all the other adults that were in that same photo so it's it's implied obviously that he is most likely in some way related to the original group and all that gets explored like way down the road in this series. But for now it's just, she like um, you could just consider the thing, the echo because for most of this comic, they're considered the echo in this. Well, confused. Well, you should have read the comic. <laughs> um, no, that's pretty good. That was good. So yeah, so that's, that's what's going on. That's what's happening in this first volume. And this book is fantastic. If you like horror, and I would even say, like, yeah, okay, it was a it was a horror book, but it's also kind of just a I don't know. It, it was it's also like got a little bit of like fantasy. It's like kind of felt like a little more like a fantasy horror kind of. It's it, it was great. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah. It kind of it kind of skirts that horror edge. Like it doesn't it doesn't quite feel like like horror. It's it's terrifying. Like everything that they go through is is um, very disturbing, and that like that's something that Joe Hill does a terrific job with writing. Is like is he spends most of this like first story volume is basically watching the th- watching the three kids deal with like surviving that incident that like kind of kicks off this comic and then it, like in the start of it though too is that you don't even get the full detail of what happened um until like later in the volume as it slowly gets flashed back to a, a bit by bit to kind of lay out everything that happened right at the beginning you really only just think that okay these two kids showed up they killed their dad and then you don't know what happened after that and then you slowly find out that um I can't remember any of the kids' names now. The older boy, Tyler, you find out Tyler beat one with a brick 
and like almost killed that guy. You find then you find out the mom like bared a hatchet into the other one's head, uh, and then you slowly find out why they were there, and you turn out they were there because the echo in the well encouraged the kid uh, to come go find this specific key. Yes, it's very slow in its reveal, and it kind of jumps around. Um, like the, the story isn't told chronologically, which is interesting well, as well. Yeah, it, it well it is. It is in some regards. It's both both events are told chronologically. They just like there's just basically two events. There's the aftermath of everything, which is them at uh, Key House, and then there's the actual incident itself, and then they're just broken up throughout the comic. So that doesn't really jump too much in timeline. It just jumps from like here's your present time, and then every once in a while we're just going to do what Arrow does for the first five seasons, which is we're going to jump back <laughs> midway through the episode and like give you some filler in on what's happened. <laughs> it was kind of like that, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, except they weren't on an island. Uh, but yeah, so, and and then the the great thing about this first volume is it starts to hint at the fact that there's a lot of other keys. Yes. So like one of the, one of the other keys, like, like Brennan was saying, the dead key is the main key that gets used in this first volume, which is the key that Bode has for most of the volume uh, that allows him to go through the ghost door and he basically dies and becomes a ghost and then he can float around as a ghost and then he can go back into his body. I, I love the analogy he uses where he's like, um, it struck me that like looking at a dead body is like looking at an uh, empty sock or a sock without a foot in it. I was like, oh, that's cool. And then there's reference to this key called the anywhere key, um, which is the key that the echo in the well wants to get her, him, to get it out of the, it can't leave the uh well house basically so it's, it's trying to get bode to get it the anywhere key so that it can get out yeah just okay so for preference on the why like we're both having trouble basically describing this the echo is because yeah. there's another key that's basically a gender key that if you use on a specific door and go through you basically switch genders so for the main part of the story the echo in the well is a female and then at the end of the story the uh, echo gets out and what it's two things one it's terrifying because you watch this person be so efficient with the keys like this some this is someone that like without knowing anything about the story and just getting brief bits of information this is someone who knows how all these keys work very well and takes full advantage of it within the very short period of time that they're that they're able to escape the well um you know quickly turns back into uh, a boy quickly quickly disposes of the, the the basically the home invader who comes back again later in the comic that's like the whole thing about this uh first story arc he comes back he basically throws him through the dead door and then closes it and takes the key so that he's permanently stuck as a ghost and and, and then takes the anywhere key and like disappears yeah uh so the echo at the end of this volume the echo has the anywhere key and the dead key yes and the uh, gender swapping key right okay so that's one of the things that's like this is like super down the line in this comic one of the great things about this is that there's a constant play with the keys yeah and like different abilities because so it's always changing over who has what keys and stuff like that and he's always trying to get other ones and when he whenever he gets them it's terrifying because like it's again someone who has full knowledge of what they all do and the potential behind all of them whereas the three kids as they slowly begin to understand and explore key house they slowly learn what all of these can do but they they never they aren't prepared to like go full-blown as like what this character does as it goes on and you only get you get a small hint of it in this 
um, comic uh, in the first volume. And but like the the there's a they do a great job of building up this person as a clear threat without really knowing why you just know that this person's a serious threat and that like the second they get out of there like you can't help but feel like this is going to be bad for everyone <laughs> that's right yeah and and that's kind of the end of the first volume right so in very in very in a lot of ways this first volume is very much kind of like a launching point for the story um but that leads me into one of the there are, there's a lot of things I want to talk about this but one of the things is just the kind of storytelling format it uses like you were saying you wanted to talk about as well it's particularly interesting he utilizes six issue arcs similar to the way that like you know kind of comics do but um they're they're split into deliberately split into chapters so like this first arc six issues called welcome to lovecraft and that was released and then it was a year later that the second six-issue arc got released. So, like, it's deliberately released as the six-issue, almost like chapters kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's one of those comics that I will strongly recommend. If you get if you read the first one and you like it, just get through all of them. Like, it's it's one of those things that again, it's a comic that where you have the advantage of making sure it's fresh in your memory. And now that it's actually completed and they've done their full run, it's beneficial to go now and just go through all of them. Um, because there's little things that are hinted at, like the first time I read it, totally forgot about that picture from the first volume. Um, but that comes back down later. Right. And it's like all that stuff comes down, comes back down the road. One of the things I really like about this comic, I think I really like about this volume and it kind of shows a lot about just the level of storytelling that's coming from both like the artist and Joe, like Joe Hill is you could have easily removed everything to do with the keys and you would have still had an excellent comic about a family having to deal with a home uh, a vicious home invasion and then processing the aftermath and then having to deal with that person coming back like that is alone is a really good like low budget horror thriller movie yeah totally right like it's like i'm fascinated and they do such a good job with like it's not like Oh, like they got their dad died, and like it's this slow kind of like they're sad, but they'll get over it and stuff like that. Like the daughter, the daughter basically, when the home invasion happened, she took Bode, which is the youngest kid. What's the daughter's name? I'm forgetting a lot of these characters' names. Uh, Kinsey. Kinsey. Kinsey takes Bode, and they end up going hiding on the roof behind the chimney. And there's this great panel where, um, the one of the gunmen is like walking around on the ground basically trying to call out for um the oldest brother names man dude not my thing uh and tyler um and there you can see them behind the chimney and she's like sque- like squeezing her brother like tight and she has this like look of uh, she has this look of terror on her face um and then that's addressed in la- a later issue where you find out that she when she's in her room She's doing basically the same thing. She's still like holding a a pillow as like she hold, uh, held Bode. And then you, when you get her point of view later, you find out, you know, they found bruise marks on her brother's neck because she was holding him so tight to try and keep him quiet because she was like just terrified. Um, and then it's just like, and then like the, and then there's also those little, all these little things where you get each one's point of view of how they think the other one's doing. 
so she gives a whole statement about like um tyler who she thinks you know he's doing fine he's just slaving away at hard work to like get through get through it all but she but there's like a panel while that's being discussed where you see what he's doing and then you see what he's basically seeing which is like him standing over the body of the guy he just smashed with a brick Right. Like that's like he's not like recovering from that is that is not a normal thing to do and then move on. It's like a lot of trauma and like the mom's damaged with like she's starting to result into like alcoholism and stuff like that. And like it's it's this whole comic and the whole series plays with this like family's dynamic and it's so engaging. And then there's that little twist like with the keys, which also doesn't come in until the last page of the first issue. So they've had to hook you on this comic, which is this family's dynamic before they even give you that little like, Oh, by the way, there's going to be something interesting and magical happening here too. Yeah. Well, and I think the way that one of the ways they do that is like going to issue one for a minute, um, is a lot of this comic is laid out and drawn very cinematically. So one of my favorite shots in, probably in the entire this entire first volume is at the dad's funeral at where it's a shot with tyler off to the side and you can see the bay bridge or the golden gate bridge out the window and you can see the urn like his dad's urn through like one of the doorways and it the camera doesn't move it's a five panel page five panels stacked on each other and the camera does not move the entire time and it's just different people coming up and talking to tyler and you can see the time of day out the window changing. And then the next page is the same shot. Like the camera stays static for two whole pages. Sorry, for three. Yeah, for basically two and a half whole pages as it goes from day to night. And Tyler never moves off the bench. And it's just this great sequence that like kind of illustrates so much about what he's going through. Because his whole thing is like, I just have to get through this. I just have to sit here until it's over. Right. And so it's just like it's it's and that's so um, so well illustrated by the way those shots are done. And then he, you know, has a memory back of himself in the same house in that same spot as a kid. Um, It's just a beautiful, uh, beautiful, beautiful sequence. But yeah, but they kind of there's a there's a few examples of that in this volume where it's like it's the shots are treated almost like they would be in film in a few places. And I think that really helps like engage you into the story the the comic does a lot of uh, really good things with like repetitive panels um where and like and then well there's another one with him too i think where there's a panel of him uh, at key house and then the next panel is again like him having kind of a flashback thought to um that whole night or that whole day and there's this like they kind of like come at you like a little quick burst um which is I I feel like is meant to kind of represent the idea of like of survivor's guilt and PTSD, where it's like you could be doing something mundane, but like the mundane thing you're doing can instantly make you think about whatever like horrific thing you dealt with. Like I could be wrong. That's just like kind of how it felt when I was reading it. Um, which I just really like, and I really like. So one of the other things too is like Bode is like a little kid, and he's kind of like generally portrayed as like the annoying little boy. But there's like a great scene and that's like for the most part, that's how he's treated. And then there's the great scene when uh, he goes back to the well and he's oh, been, great. Yeah, he's been talking to the the Echo for he's the one that's been talking to the Echo. No one else knows about it yet. And he it's weird because he goes to 
the rest of the family members and he tells them he asks them the knock knock joke and then uh it's this like silly weird knock knock joke do you think doesn't have really any point to the story and then when he goes back to the well he basically revealed that like he's actually quite smart and he's like he's like i don't think you're my echo i think you've been here before i think you've been here long before me i think there's a chance you probably knew my dad um or you were friends with him at some point and like it's it's not hinted that he has that grasp of intelligence at the start you just think he's a silly kid um and then that like turn is really interesting but then again he's still a kid so he really quickly gets himself in way over his head mostly because he he doesn't realize the full danger that he's in yeah i think bode's my favorite character actually he gets really good i love how at the end when the echo has like use the anywhere key and then use the gender swap key and shows up as a teenage boy that Tyler brings back to the house as like, Oh, this is the new kid, Zach from school. I love how like you can tell Bode recognizes him. Yeah. There's that, there's that clear, like he doesn't like him. <laughs> yeah. He is. It goes to say how to Bode. It's like, he's like, Oh, I feel like we've known each other or feel like we've used to be friends or something like that. And Bode is just like, you can tell he's like, not having it just feels weird about it and yeah yeah i think bode's great because he's that he he's kind of the um ever curious get like like you know that the classic kid in the horror story that's like gonna you know trip trip all the spooky stuff because he just can't sit still and can't not go where he's not supposed to go like he's the one who goes to the well house even though they were told don't go to the well house Uh, and that's where he meets the echo and all that kind of stuff but yeah like you said like i won't lay it out better than you but yeah that the that that bit that scene with him and the echo was awesome. I guess yeah, probably talk about the art a bit. Um, I have a hard time describing this art. It's really good. It's like super good. Um, I don't know how to. I don't know how best to describe this art. It's just like I think. I think it's super unique. I think. I think it's like like one of the. Well, we were kind of touching on it with like how he cinematically lays out panels and stuff like that. Um, there's a lot of like really great really really great panel layouts and really it's it's got really good scene direction um i don't know if it's joe hill or or rodriguez doing the scene direction in this but like it's fantastic because like another great example is like that shot you were talking about earlier where um kinsey is like holding her pillow the same way she's holding she was holding uh bowed when they were hiding Mm -hmm. and like those panels are like the exact same shot the exact same size right next to each other and like there's a lot of that um, in this book where it'll be just like a static shot with like different things in it or like, you know, two shots like that side by side. Um, yeah. So the, the scene direction in this comic is, is freaking awesome. And yeah, the art style is great. I think I was saying to you right before we started this, it reminds me a lot. Rodriguez reminds me a lot of Chris Burnham, um, who I'm a huge fan of. Chris Burnham draws like draws for Grant Morrison a lot. He drew Nameless. He drew Batman Incorporated. He draws Die, 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 which is a great comic. You should all go check out if you haven't checked it out. Um, yeah. So so Rodriguez kind of reminds me of Chris Burnham a bit, but like slightly more cinematic maybe. I don't know. Um, There's definitely similarities between the two. Yeah. I, I So he does faces really well. I think he just does faces really well. Um which is kind of important in this because there's a lot of emotion that has to kind of come through f- with a lot of these faces, a lot of subtlety, emo- a lot, of, a lot of subtle emotion, like little, like little things in specific when um, the actual, like the one scene with uh, Tyler and what the hell is the name of the killer? 
I've said, I keep calling him like killer number two. Yeah, Sam. Uh, <laughs> basically, anytime I referred to a killer, it was Sam. Kid got hit in the face with a brick. That was Sam. One walking down the street, uh, like calling out for Tyler on the phone. The one that comes back to the building, that's all Sam. It's all the same. It's all the same highly deranged one. And then uh, there's a scene where it's just so brutal. Uh, it's it's him and Tyler, and they're sitting outside the school, and Tyler just offhand because he's had a fight with his dad just now, and like Sam's uh, counselor is actually Tyler's dad, and he basically like he like Sam makes an offhand statement about being like, oh, sometimes I just like wake up and I think about like I wish I just like my I just killed my dad or something like that, and then Tyler offhand says. Oh yeah, if you if you kill your dad, do me a favor and kill mine while you're at it. And there's like there's like a subtle, very subtle way that um, Sam's face is drawn. That like also by this point in the comic, you were able to pick up on this cue in the face. But like that stuff's really important. He, I think he's really good at capturing like um, quiet emotions in the face, and he's really good at capturing terror, like just in the eyes. He does eyes really well. Yeah, totally. And. Uh... Another f- scene that creeped the hell out of me in that same issue, and I think that's issue four um, that you're talking about, is when Sam is over at uh, their house because he's ta- he's seeing the dad he's seeing their dad after hours, and he sees that photo of the well house. Oh yeah, the echo like appears in the photo and writes like "Help me," and then mm-hmm. writes like "Listen to e- listen to echoes" or something like that. In, in the picture, and it's just like, that actually, scared, like, creeped the shit out of me. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, that stuff's always kind of interesting, too, because, I mean, like, the start of the comic, you're under the impression that basically this all happened because two kids that were severely unstable and, and troubled and violent uh, basically attacked this family, right? And then you think that's, that's the it's a horrible situation that happens that causes them all to pack up and move. Uh, and then what you slowly find out is that it's actually what's even more da- dangerous is that it's this echo in the well who is planning everything to get what it wants. And the end result of it is, is that like Sam escapes juvenile prison by killing a guard and then also killing like a random uh, contract worker that's there. He then proceeds to uh, kill a truck truck driver. He kills everyone on the bus and then kills a guy on a boat like he like those are all directly responsible from the well the dude in the well and then same with um i mean same with like their dad dying like all that stuff is because of like yeah this one like person yeah basically wanting out right from the beginning the reason that they showed so what you were the one of the reveals at the end is is the reason that sam and his uncle showed up at their summer house in the first place was to get the keys yeah from the dad because i guess sam had been talking to the echo somehow or the echo had reached out to him you see it clearly through the photo yeah i think that's explored in later volumes they they eventually explore what the well is and like how all that stuff works yeah um, okay but that's like much later so yeah you find out that like the echo in the well is basically the source of is the reason any all of this is happening um which is really interesting what's another really good thing that this comic does early in this and then really ramps up in the later volumes is it's kind of similar to alfred hitchcock said this once where it's like you want attention for a film it's like you have people at a dinner table suddenly a bomb goes off the tension lasts oh, yeah. for like a split second right 
Um, but then if you have the same scene, but at the beginning of the scene that you tell the audience there's a bomb underneath the table with a timer and then in five minutes it's going to go off. The rest of the movie, the rest of the next five minutes is full of tension because you're like, you know something that they don't know. So this comic has a full, like full on with several moments, like with um, when they give the, when Sam gets the, the mirror and the scissors, there's like that little shot where like the way it's, pan, the way it's poised is that the guard and the, contract worker on the left and sam is in is standing in the prison in his cell with like the two blades and there's like two panels that go down as they get closer and you know what's about to happen they have no idea and then there's a like a big panel that's spent like with the actual attack on the prison guard right and then so it's like this tension that builds up like short there and then it is paid off really quickly and violently and then and then now, now you have this ongoing tension of this knowledge as this kid keeps getting closer and closer to the, to the house, right? As he makes his way there, you you now know something that like the family doesn't know, and you already know like you continue to see how dangerous this person is. So that's done wonderfully in the first volume. Now think about this: the character that then was revealed to basically be the big bad is now made himself friends with at least two of the kids. Yeah, this entire comic series is just full of that constant. I, as an audience member, am fully aware of the danger they are in, and yet they don't know, and you're constantly on guard, and the tension is constant in this in this series. It's one of the most interesting comics I've read in a while, for sure. Yeah, yeah, it was just it was fantastic. And if you're in the you know if you're in the mood for something spooky. Because uh, it's almost Halloween, and, and you've you've watched all the shows and all the movies, and you want to check out a comic, um, I highly recommend checking out Lock and Key. Yeah, well, this was great. I think that's going to wrap up our discussion of Lock and Key. Um, like I said, you guys should check it out, especially if you're in the mood for for some good horror before Halloween. Um, thank you guys very much for tuning in and listening to our discussion about it. We really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you want to tune in next week, you absolutely should. Because we're going to be checking out the first volume of Francis Manipool's Trinity comic. And he wrote, drew, and colored all himself. So, yeah. Such a so that'll be a fun one. <laughs> I know. Making everybody look bad, man. <laughs> uh, anyways, thank you guys very much for tuning in today. And like I said, if you want to tune in next week, we are going to be talking about Francis Manipool's Trinity comic the first volume of that so be sure to tune in for that uh if you liked what you heard and you want to hear more you can pop on over to our website www.stackpod.com we've got our entire archive up there you can check that out uh make sure you hit us up on social media guys if you want to request comics or request topics for us to talk about or uh just give us some feedback on whether you like the show or don't like the show and why um, be sure to hit us up on social media. You can find us on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, all at Stack Podcast. And uh, we'd love to hear from you guys, so please, please hit us up. Um, and make sure, if you don't already, that you are subscribed to or following the podcast on whatever app you're listening to. And that way you will never miss out on any great Stacked content. Thank you guys for tuning in to Stack today. Until next time. Happy Halloween. Because it's, I think, like four, five days away. Five days away. And we don't record on that time. No. <laughs> so, boo. Um. Anyways, uh, keep on reading.